everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with Rhea Butcher. You know her from CISO's Take My Wife, from uh, the podcast Put Your Hands Together, from her comedy album Butcher, and probably from a lot of other things. Yeah, a couple other things. Hello, Allison. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me be your new best friend. It's very exciting. <laughs> That's how the show works, right? <laughs> exactly. Now we're best friends? Actually, I mean, yes, uh-huh. but there have been a couple times where I've started episodes with like, oh my God, we have all this in common and all this in common. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what if people actually think, because the that it, that's the title and I yeah. like to think I'm a I'm a friendly person yeah. and I, I hope people are like, oh, I want her to be my new best friend. Totally. But it's not really like, let's be best friendies. Yes. You I know? Am, yes. I 100%. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, before we turn the mics on, we were talking a bit about social obligations or opportunities that come up and the mixed feelings one might have oh, yeah. regarding those mm-hmm. uh because for example you're tired yes and yet there's a thing you should go to and in general that's been how i've been my whole life except now just lately i've been lamenting for a few episodes i don't get invited to jack shit anymore sure, yeah. so now the grass is greener and i'm just sad that like I'm not even considered for fun opportunities. Right? It's terrible. I'm being right? passed over. Because you, you have social things and then you're like, I just, I can't go. I, I can't go. And then you don't go and you're like, wow, I didn't realize I could just not go. This is so great. Mm-hmm. I cannot go. We're still all friends. I'll go to the other thing. It's going to be great. And then you're like, wait, now nothing's happening. What did I do? <laughs> right. It's such a delicate uh, walk, you know, of like ma- maintaining yourself yeah exactly both ways maintaining yourself outside and inside i hadn't i hadn't put two and two together that like oh this is because i haven't been going to things Mm -hmm. and i'm not even 100 percent sure but it's not always you can never always that yeah i didn't mean to because it it, it just may be like 50 50 or 80 20 or something that like it's you're not invited because like maybe there's nothing going on (laughs) well Oh, no, but there is because I have but, Instagram. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we have social media now. So, yes, there is. Stuff. Well, so I I hadn't put it together. That that's what it might be. But then my husband mm-hmm. pointed out like, well, we didn't go to this. And we didn't yeah. go to this. And then he was like, parties basically are auditions for future parties. Yeah, they really are. So And, and also, we, yeah. it's it's not always like, I, I realize this too. It's not always nef- nefarious. Is it nefarious or nefarious? I want to say you can say both, but I say nefarious. Nefarious? Okay, thank you. I'm going to fix that in my brain now, because sometimes I say plaza, and I'm supposed <laughs> to say plaza, where I'm from. But anyway, um, I think it's not always like nefarious that you get left off, because sometimes people are just like, you know what? They haven't been coming, so maybe I should just, maybe right. they don't want to come. And I, I think it's just like kind of a genuine thing where you're just like, well, they haven't come to the last four things, so maybe I'll just give them a break. And I don't know. I try to think of it that way, too, where it's like, maybe people think I'm just busy and I can't go, so they'll yeah. just stop inviting me, That's which right. is a totally valid thing to do. They probably you know? assume I've eclipsed them socially. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, right. and, you're uh, a super moon, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned where you're from. Yes. And that it is a place where one is supposed to say plaza. Yeah, there's, it's kind of a, I mean, it's, Ohio? Yes, I'm from Akron, Ohio. Um, home of home of LeBron James and myself. <laughs> um, also the home of Chrissy Hind, Devo, Jim Jarmusch, um, and some other people. The Black Keys. Uh, some other people that whose names are escaping me now. And a place where um, 
if your fetus has a heartbeat, you can no longer abort it. And I'm oh, sorry yeah, to get yeah, political yeah. so no, fast. No, please but- do. I was about to say I'm from a decidedly red state yeah. now. Um, and there are, I, I will say that to the people that are listening from Ohio, cause I, I've been quite upset with my home state. It's not with the people who are the red staters necessarily. Um, obviously there are, are pockets of progressive areas and many, 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 many people working towards, uh, a, a better future in that state. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, LeBron James being one of them, um, so it's not to say that, oh, it's a red state, so it's terrible. Like it's and the reason it's a red state is not necessarily all those people's fault. So it's a complicated issue. Right. Um but yeah, John Kasich is terrible. <laughs> and Ohio has had very terrible leadership for a long, 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 long time. And it's very sad to me because there's good people there and they deserve better. <laughs> what was it like growing up there? Um Growing up, uh, I lived in like kind of a one of the not great neighborhoods in mm-hmm. Akron. So like, there's just a lot of uh, sort of I hesitate to even use the word wealth disparity, but just like wealth disparity in in the state and the cities. Um, and I lived in like a non. It wasn't a suburb, and it wasn't a city. So it's whatever's in between that, you know, sort of like semi. Like urban sort of semi-rural like i mean actually uh akron was a very industrial city it was larger than cleveland in the 40s because uh rubber was invented well not the concept of rubber but <laughs> the vulcanization of rubber was invented in akron which is what makes rubber bind together my um, goodness now do you live learn- long and prosper you know <laughs> do you learn all these ohio facts in school or do you just have no crazy i just ohio pride <laughs> i just okay. like figured it all out i learned it in because it's like our main it was our main industry it's Mm -hmm. like literally the city is called akron rubber city like that's what we're called so if you did you know this i feel like you might have known this i really did know this did you know yeah i did i like i like akron a lot of good bands came from there yeah a lot of great rubber city rebels oh yeah Um, but yeah i see there you go rubber city rebels i had actually um worked on an article about the vulcan uh or I published an article about a guy, the guy that invented the vulcanization of tires. And so I know a lot about that. Yeah. For a guy that's from like, Pennsylvania, I know like a lot about Like the scientist that. that did it or the rubber baron that, <laughs> that's what they were called. I, I'm not even kidding. I'm ooh, not even that. joking. F.A. Cyberling, I believe, was the, because Goodyear and Firestone were both headquartered in Akron. They still are. They don't really, obviously, produce anything there anymore. Um but was it was the paper about him? Uh, or it was, was about, about Goodyear. Goodyear. Yeah. So yeah, interesting. Also, funny side note: AA invented at uh, FA Rowling's home, which was a, like a big mansion that's still there in Akron. There was also an amazing riot in Akron in er, I forget when it was. I think it was the early 1900s mm-hmm. where there was a black guy that was accused of some crime and he was being held at the jail and people went crazy and wanted to lynch him and they Jeez. came with dynamite and blew up the city hall. Wow. Yeah. See, yeah. that's another story that people like uh, in Ohio, like, and maybe this could be descriptive of like growing up there. It was still, and this was the eighties. It was still very segregated. Like I lived in there. I lived actually in the neighborhood adjacent to LeBron James's neighborhood that he grew up in. And I say it's adjacent because they were similar neighborhoods, but segregated by race mm-hmm. because the city and most of the state is still like that. Like it's not, 
you know, there's not signs, but it's like invisible lines of these things that we've been talking about for so many years. And people are constantly saying like, this is the North. That's the North. That was 1900, you know? (laughs) So like, it's, we really got to look at that stuff and just be honest with ourselves that there's a lot we have to talk about. So go back to what you said about AA because it like hijacked my brain for a second because, and I'm, I'm, I'm really blame- good at brain hijacking, by the way. I no, just- I'm good at it <laughs> normally, too. I'm going to blame this on my pregnancy because normally I can like hold a thought from one second to the next. Mm-hmm. And also, I like to think that like I, I get I get stuff mostly, but mm-hmm. I'm just real stupid these days and pretty slow. Anyway, when you said AA, yes, even though I very very familiar with it <laughs> yeah my brain was like what's that for a second <laughs> yeah. so i so i missed what you had actually said about it and then all of a sudden i realized oh yes yeah. I do oh yeah know. yeah mm-hmm. so what it was invented did you say a mansion yeah th- so fa cyberling um n- now i'm like questioning myself because i always do but he his mansion was called stan hewitt hall in akron it's still there in akron ohio it's a it's a beautiful mansion and as kids we would go tour it with the schools and stuff and also they do really great stuff for the holidays blah it's a historical thing really great loved it there's a gatehouse there and his youngest daughter when aa was forming so the two doctors like or the bill and the Mm. first you know aa person um met in Akron, and then they found out that she had a drinking problem, and they met her. She was like the second person to ever, you know, do the thing, mm-hmm. do the steps and stuff. Right. And the gatehouse is like right where you drive in, and it still stands. And it's like this is where AA started. Wow. That's and cool. so they have a Founders Day in June or July in Akron, and like AA just descends on akron for like an all whole weekend mm-hmm. it's actually awesome it's just like tons of bikers <laughs> just tons of people in akron right. ohio all of a sudden and they're all none of them are drinking no. and the bars are just like because <laughs> they don't get a cut of any of it you know like all the How restaurants and stuff are like patrick's day <laughs> yeah exactly um okay so you grew up in a sort of depressed area is that yeah that be fair yeah to say? i would say to, i mean the i grew up on like a hill in a neighborhood mm-hmm. that Honestly, it was like it was creeping up the hill, you know. Um, I had I lived in like one of the nicer houses in the neighborhood, but you know, it's like it's all very relative. Um, and I grew up. My parents were divorced. Um, when did they divorce? They got divorced like right after I was born. Okay, they separated almost immediately, and then you know, divorce proceedings take pretty quickly, but um, or it takes slow. They're slow to happen. Is yes. what I'm trying to say. Um, and so then my mom. Um, who was uh, 24 at the time. She moved back in with my uh, her parents. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up, we ended up living there until I was 16 or 17. Um, so I was like raised by like three people, basically. Like my grandparents were also my parents mm-hmm. and my mom was my parent. Did you have a relationship with your dad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Still do. It's, it's a weird one. I, I feel weird like... It, it's weird to talk about my parents because they're real people, you know, like I feel like as comedians before social media and stuff like that, you could like talk about your parents and mm-hmm. your parents would be like, are you talking about me? And you'd be like, no, not really. And <laughs> they would never find out about it unless they like watched your special or something. But it's it's weird to talk about them because they're real people with real things. But um, I have like such a bizarre relationship with my dad. It's just like a divorced dad. Um, had visitation still in my life. 
don't see him a ton mm-hmm. talk to him often <laughs> i try i it's like i'm uh, a relationship that i'm just continually trying to figure out mm-hmm. like today he, literally today he told me on the phone uh kind of apropos of nothing i was uh, his girlfriend got well anyway <laughs> he was like you know there's only and he was actually sad about it he was like you know there's only two things i miss in my in my life my youth and my dog and I just started laughing because I, I've, I mean, I've heard these things so many times and I just started like genuinely laughing like at him mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was like, maybe this will jiggle something loose and maybe he could like <laughs> realize. And I was like, you know, I understand what you're saying, but um, your only daughter might not be the person to say that to. <laughs> and he was like, oh, you're taking it the wrong way. I was like, because I'm your only daughter, that's the only way I can take it. And it just, he was like, Barr! and just got like, got mad at me. I was like, all right, we'll just, we'll talk about this later. But it's like a funny, and I talk about it because I know, I definitely know other people have that relationship mm-hmm. with their parents where it's like, do you not realize you're a parent? You are like almost 60 and like you're, you're, you, we're not friends. Like we're, we're adult people, but I'm still, your, I'm still your kid. You know, yeah. it's like such a funny it's like the opposite of other parents where they're like, where you're like, I'm an adult. <laughs> treat me like an adult. I just really wish my dad would treat me like a kid. Mm-hmm. Funny. Did he ever? I don't think so. You know, when, now that you asked me that, like, I actually don't think so. It is funny. Cause I, I'm, re- I'm relating to aspects of this. It is funny when you're an adult and you're like, but I'm the kid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm the kid. That's why. Treat me like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> be nice to me like a kid or whatever yeah it's funny i've also had moments with my parents where it's like not on the phone although i feel like even on the phone the relationship should transcend the phone thing where i'm like are you completely unable to see the effect your words are having on me because i I have no poker face like it's every you can read everything on my face yeah and the thing you're telling me is like in the most painful way possible Mm mm-hmm and you, you're just still off to the, like, you seem to have no, yeah. this is not going in. Whereas right. I'm someone, I, I hope, I think like I'm pretty like taking stock yeah, of. Like intuitive. And, yes. Yeah. I try. Em- empathic. Th- all those, like he could say that and then also say like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I, you know, I meant something, you know, I, I don't know that I, I should have said that to you. It's just something I was, pro- you know, obviously, but that's like literally never going to happen. Like an apology. I don't think I've ever heard that from, <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's wild, you know? Is it, a, is it a generation? Was that generation taught never to apologize? I think so. Cause I, that's, I really that's a gripe so. I've had as well. I think so. I mean, we're all, you know, we're such whiny little babies yeah. with our feelings and all, and our emotions and stuff. But you know what? I've learned to apologize. I've learned to say like, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And then the other person's like, yeah, anyway, moving on, you know, like it's, I think that's a, a better thing I, to do in our in our lives. Yeah, I said it as a joke. Was that generation taught not to apologize? However, now I'm thinking, actually, maybe it is a generational thing. I think like, it is. I, I mean, think that they're we're, being told, "Don't yeah. take no for an answer," and, <laughs> like, right? In business, but it's for like everything. Well, there are people who think that an apology is a sign of weakness. Yes, and they're like. And I think that they look at exchanges like that as you got to keep the upper hand and you got to win yeah. versus yeah. how what how I look at them as like, let's air out how we feel yeah. and hopefully get to a place where yeah. we're not feeling this way anymore. And also, hang on, record scratch. This is your kid. 
<laughs> so like yeah. you got to keep the upper hand at all times with your child who's 34 now like right. <laughs> i mean every once in a while you maybe got to show a little bit of vulnerability in a relationship that's designed to last a lifetime oh <laughs> <laughs> anyway um what's your relationship with your mom like um it's good you know we're like uh it's you know it's another relationship that we're figuring out there's a lot there's a lot there um but she is the reason Anything that anybody could find uh, cool or interesting about me, the the reason that I am those things is because I had the mom that I had. So any difficulties that we have, I always try to keep that in mind. And like, you know, I do keep in mind the generation that she's from mm. and where she's from. And um, she actually came to visit recently and my mom still lives in Akron. She still lives in, within the same block that we, that I grew up in and, um, she has a very she has a retail job it's a very much retail job um and she came to visit and she was wearing a safety pin now i know that that is very performative allyship and like it i i agree with anybody who's like your safety pin isn't enough i totally agree and i'm not debating that whatsoever to start but i do know that the situation that my mom is wearing a safety pin in it actually does do some good i think because like to visit the town that I'm from and see the people, you know, like if, if I was me and I lived there and I went to where my mom works and I saw that person wearing a safety pin, I'd be like, Oh my God. Like I, as a queer person, I would be like, wow, this is crazy. I can't believe this person is wearing that would even know to wear that. Okay. <laughs> now out of curiosity, I'm not, I do, I'm not going to ask you to disclose where your mom works, yeah, but does she work at a place that is known for, not being uh progressive no the place isn't i'm gonna i'm trying to describe town it's well she works in the city of akron it's still within the the city limits in the area that she lives in it's kind of a sketchy area Mm -hmm. um and then the business type that she works in it's like fast retail so I'm trying to give you. It, she doesn't. She doesn't work in like a clothing store. Okay. It's not some place that you would come in and linger. Oh, oh, oh. You kind of. Okay. There's a, a high turnover of people coming in and out of the. Place. Gotcha. I'm trying to not name it so that yes. people. Don't, I feel like, like I'm getting the seek out because Akron right. is a small place. Yeah. So okay. You know. I'm just gonna have to ask you off air later. Oh, oh, okay. You can just write it because I know now. I know it's not Hobby Lobby. Oh, okay. Yes. I was thinking of someplace like that. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily the business that it would come right. down from the business and you walk in knowing that the business is, it's just a collection of a lot of different people going right. in and out of that kind of a place. Right. And so I think that from, to speak from my perspective as a lesbian genderqueer woman, if I lived in Akron, cause I, I'm just rewinding back to when I did live in Akron and it was the Bush years. If there was, there was literally this happened at my college, like, professors started putting up uh pink triangle papers mm-hmm. because this is 2001 this was not now so it was a big deal and like people weren't coming out or saying like oh i don't need to come out like none of that was going on like people were not out <laughs> like you were that was only 15 years ago so professors were putting that up saying like hey i'm an ally it's a safe space you can come out to me if you want to cuz like college is kind of a place where people come out mm-hmm. especially back then you know and like you can't always come out to your parents and so if you had a professor that you were really connecting with in a small town uh because i went to college in akron what college i went to the university of akron 
<laughs> great school. <laughs> uh, but I'm so glad that I, I, I did was able to put myself through college. Um, so to see that in a professor's door, somebody you're working with who might be your mentor, like that really, for for me, seeing that, I was like, oh, I can maybe do this, you know, because mm-hmm. I would start coming out. So the safety pin is like a similar thing. I know it's different um, to be a, a queer white person than it is to be anything else so i'm only speaking from my own experience but i do know that like my mom doing that we didn't have that conversation i didn't talk to her about it at all she saw it on the internet and she did it Mm -hmm. and um so those kinds of things that my mom did uh i'm very grateful for that because if i mean she's always been doing that she used to call out my grandparents when they would say like soft racist things in front of me and be like why are you describing that person by their race they just checked you out at the grocery store like it's irrelevant to the information to the conversation and i'm like six years old going why is my mom so angry <laughs> you know but like it's stuck in there i still remember it right you know? right so, like i'm I, I my mom's very cool for that reason the reason i'm a vegetarian too yeah, and I know from your comedy that you were veg- your mom's vegetarian. You were yeah. vegetarian in the womb. <laughs> yes, yeah, whole time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I what did I what? See. Sorry, I just go. went on a long thing no, about no, no, the safety No, no, no. please. This is my this is on me. The fact <laughs> that I'm like I have three different questions <laughs> and now I can't choose which one to go. This is all on me. Um Let's do them all. Oh, we will. Great. I, we just, I just don't know which one we're going to do I'm first. such a talker. <laughs> I hope your listeners like talkers. They do. Huge talker. They do. <laughs> they do. I would say talking a lot works so much better on a podcast than someone who comes on and is like, I'm just a vibe person. <laughs> they just sit <laughs> yeah. there. They just Podcasts are not for vibes at all. <laughs> no. You got to have good talking vibes <laughs> is the thing. So I know that you are an only child. Yes. Did you feel lonely growing up? Like, yes. What did... Not all the time, though. Okay. I have memories of having a cassette player that I perhaps won during a magazine drive at my school <laughs> um, and loading in my copy of Toad the Wet Sprocket and putting on my jean jacket and going and walking around in the rain. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, please laugh. No umbrella. Like, I just... I would get these like I I mean I think I it was maybe depression I'm not sure mm-hmm. but like I used to just love doing that but I also don't like to be alone mm-hmm. I have both things you know I I've, I'm very extroverted and I like hanging out with people the talking um so it was like but it does get seriously lonely when you're an only child and I think um it's it's the loneliness that you experience as an only cuz I wasn't an only child like by choice because mm-hmm. my parents got divorced and then neither of them remarried. They didn't have more kids. Um, so it's like kind of a different style of only childness, if you will. Um, and it like sort of evolves as you get older because, you know, you strike out on your own and you sort of build your own family as an only child. And then you get older and your parents are getting older and your family is changing. And my wife has two sisters and now I see those relationships and I'm like, Oh, that's what this is all for. <laughs> you know, like, cause I don't have anybody else to be like, um, cause maybe my parental relationships would be slightly different if I had someone else to call about it and mm-hmm. talk to them about it or for my parents to focus on somebody else every now and then, you know, right. all that stuff. So it is, it's a, an interesting journey. Cause I, I also enjoy it. You know, I like the independence of it and the sort of like, like the, the last one kind of a thing mm-hmm. you know at what age did you realize that you were gay 
Like four. <clears throat> really? Mm-hmm. What but were- I didn't know what it, I didn't have the context or the, um, I, maybe a four-year-old now could be like, I'm gay and know what that is, you mm-hmm. know? But, um, I mean, I honestly think the moment that I realized I was attracted to women and not men was watching Back to the Future for the first time. <laughs> what was, what's your <laughs> Because memory? I was embarrassed by the scene where Leah Thompson is like undressing and, uh, Crispin Glover is, uh, um, they call it peeping Tom, but it's mm. sexual assault, basically. Um, it made me very uncomfortable and I would, I left the room at four years old. I was like, I gotta go get gum. And I like <laughs> left. And then every time we would watch that movie, I would leave during that scene because mm-hmm. I didn't understand what was happening for me. And also it's kind of a weird scene that to, to have the, that be happening during because somebody's spying on someone else. But, um, that was definitely it. And because I like wasn't, I wanted to be Marty McFly and I wanted to be George. I didn't, I didn't want to, I wasn't attracted to them in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't like think he, I never thought Michael J. Fox was cute. Right. I never was like, oh, he's so whatever. I just was like, oh, that's, that's me. Mm-hmm. You know? So. And then did you grow up, like, did you have gay friends? No. Like, were there any gay people Oh, around? I mean, maybe I did. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> right. They weren't gay when, when I was friends with them, but mm-hmm. they weren't out, you know. Um, like, it was interesting to find out that, because are you, did you not come out until college? Yeah, I didn't come out until I was 19. Okay. And For so, some- it, I mean, it's just like, it's a long, it was a long experience, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, of the generation and timing and where I, I was living and everything. I mean, I think, there were moments throughout my life where I realized that was what was going on, like seeing facts of life and watching Joe on screen and being like, eh, like trying to understand it. But like everything in my world was either absent of that, absent of talking about. I mean, I definitely knew about like gay men, but I had no idea what lesbians were and I had no idea what any of that looked like. And then uh, I went to Catholic schools. So mm. There was never any discussion of it at all. And there wasn't necessarily like an agenda that it was bad growing up because I went to an all-girls school. So there was almost no reason it never came up. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it never came up was also had an effect on me. Right. You know? Were you raised very Catholic? No. Because I know Cameron was, right? Yes, she was. And, and I yeah. thought I was Catholic until I met her. <laughs> because I went to a Catholic all-girls school because, you know, the school systems across America are out of control and, you know, that sometimes is the better option. And I think the all-girl thing is what really attracted my mom to it because, like, I do think it was a better education because um, I just think it was. I mean, I, I went to co-ed school in eighth grade and I have a distinct memory of being in class and the teacher throwing a question to the class. And I really loved school. I, I'm a talker. I like to talk <laughs> in class. And I raised my hand. And she just looked at me and then she kept looking around and she waited until a boy raised his hand and then she Uh. called on him. And then that was like the beginning of me not caring about school. Mm -hmm. And I I, I remember being like, seriously? (laughs) Because like my mom was very into, you know, she was very much like pointing out sexism to me and being like, don't let, you know, be aware of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Very simple things, but like pointing it out. So I was like, wow, I guess she was right. I guess all this stuff is true. Um, But I wasn't Catholic. Mm -hmm. 
although I did get baptized just so I could go to a specific school. (laughs) (laughs) But did you have the guilt that it seems like? I feel like I definitely get, I don't think to the point of someone who then goes home and their family feels that same thing. Mm -hmm. Cause my family was not, my grandfather was a Jehovah's witness. My grandmother did not really have a religion. I don't know. I think she did. And then, but it was never a part of Mm -hmm. anything. Um, And then my mom didn't have, she also got baptized with me, which is very strange. That's interesting (laughs) that your grandfather was Jehovah's witness, but that wasn't the dominant family. religion. Yeah, no, not at all. Which I think is, I have like a very uh, female heavy family on Mm -hmm. my mom's side. Um, And so my grandmother was very much like, like he, he celebrated birthdays and Christmas because my grandmother was like, you have to. That's so anti-Jehovah's. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. But he was also in the army, thought. which I think okay. is also not a, Je- like Jehovah's Witnesses don't. I think he wrote his own rules. I like that. Yeah. He really kind of did his <laughs> own thing. I mean, he practiced. Right. I remember them ha- do- having readings and stuff in the kitchen when I was a kid mm-hmm. and he would do like say grace before big meals and stuff like that. But um, he didn't talk. It wasn't a thing right. in that way. Like he practiced it and that was kind of it. That's what he believed. And that was it. So for the years in between four and 19, let's say, <laughs> sure, for those 15 years, yeah. were you pretending to be straight or was it just you weren't ready to I think I was, identify? Uh, I mean, I don't think I was pretending. It's so hard to describe because it's like, it's not, it's being in the closet and you don't know that there's a closet, you know, and you're like kind of, go- I want to know. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I knew I was gay and I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that I was attracted because I didn't know what being gay was at four. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was. I I could I, probably until I was, I don't know, 12 somewhere till then. Cause this is, you know, four is 1986 in the middle of Ohio. Mm-hmm. So, and nothing like that was on television. I didn't really see anything like that. So honestly, until like Ellen came around or, and then I was like, Oh, this person is just like me. I relate to her a lot. Mm-hmm. And then when she came out, I remember having like a physical response to watching that episode of television. And then I was actively like once puberty and all that stuff was coming in, then I was actively going like, no, I'm not to mm-hmm. people. Cause they would, make fun of me you know like say like what are you a lesbian you know and it's like because i played a lot of sports and stuff like that and And you you skateboarded and had a lot of guy friends right yeah and i mean i i dated boys you You know yeah um what was that like well i mean the first guy that i dated was like one of my friends so Mm -hmm. it was fun i i did i cared about him a lot i we're still friends (laughs) you know i love him in a way that is like where we grew up together and uh shared experiences and stuff but you know a lot of people say this, like you do not realize what you're missing until you're like with once you have your first like act, it's a real experience. Right. You know, the other experiences are real because they're happening. But then like the first time I kissed a woman, it was like completely life altering. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was a kid, like in those grade school things, I would play house and like kiss other girls because I would always play the husband or whatever. So, like, I felt, I would feel tremendous guilt over those things. Like, the Catholic, like, it was very wrong that I had done that. I had guilt for years over that. And I just, like, put that really far down in Mm -hmm. and just was like, hmm. Guilt, did you think you were going to go to hell or? 
Like, did it go that far I mean, in your mind? Maybe, but I think it was more just like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that kind of a thing where mm-hmm. you're just like, <laughs> like a lot of hand wringing and very like unsure of what that meant. Right. And just sort of living in that feeling because I, I have tremendous problems with anxiety. So I feel like it really just sits in an anxiety bowl for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I would describe it at the time because it, it's not, you can't, for me, I can't say like yes i was actively hiding the fact that i was gay because i didn't know if that's what it was mm-hmm. i see because uh, i wasn't even there yet right because i'd never met anyone that was gay i'd never seen it i didn't know and then i didn't know until like high school and then i w- then i was actively being like no i'm not no i'm not no 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 mm-hmm. um because i couldn't be you know i couldn't possibly that couldn't possibly be what my life is right my last name is butcher like i couldn't <laughs> possibly be a lesbian i play sports like women can play sports and not be gay you know like all these things that i had to roll through my brain Mm -hmm. and figure out so so when you did come out how was that um (laughs) it's almost as like every story of my life is a very long story um i came out to someone that i had been uh like friends with uh for a while and he was older than me uh, by seven years, and I had been friends with him through skateboarding uh, since I was, like, 15. And I came out to him, and he was very understanding of it because I had been skateboarding somewhere, and a girl, sh- a woman showed up to skate, and I had never really... I had met one other girl skateboarding in Akron, and I had known about her before she came down, and we didn't really hit it off because it was a little bit of like, oh, well, I'm the girl. You know, that kind of she a on your turf? competition thing. She was on my turf, which <laughs> is weird, and I was trying to be friends with her, but maybe I wasn't nice. I don't know. Anyways, Maria, if you're out there, let's be friends. Um, And her name was Maria, which is like so perfect. Um, So this girl showed up and just started skating, and I was like, oh, this is cool, you know, and then a friend that was with her was a mutual friend of mine, and after a while, he skated over and was like, hey, uh, that's my friend Jess. I just want to let you know she thinks you're super cute. And then he left. And I was like, what? Hmm. And that was even like, that was like huge. Because I just never, I always thought it was on me that I was the weirdo for finding girls attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, like for wanting to be with girls and wanting to kiss girls and stuff like that. And so when it was a, a possibly reciprocated idea it completely changed my life. I mean, I just was like, what? And I, now when I think back on it, I'm like, I think he was kidding. But I'm so grateful that he was kidding. <laughs> it was a nice way of kidding uh, because it like completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. Who knows when I would have come out if he hadn't said that to me. Um, so I had all this, all these like thoughts and I was like not dating a- anyone. And then I told this uh, friend and uh, he was like fine with it. We were driving back home or uh he was moving back to ohio from california and i had flown out to like drive back home with him and then like a couple days after he got back he came over and was like you can't be gay i moved back here to date you and then i dated him wow (laughs) for like three years three huge years of my life like 19 to 22 and it's still like a, an experience that I'm like still processing it, like 34. Yeah. What, what, it's what do you so think much, it Allison. It's so know, many things. I know. It's so much that like <laughs> I'm doing that thing that I said it doesn't work on podcasts, which is I'm just vibing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even saying words. Yeah. No, it's, I it's mean, like, I, a, it, it's, it makes you say what you think it is. <laughs> I mean, I think, um, 
because I'm like still processing it and don't want to get too far into it for that reason, but because I know a lot of other um like young queer people go through this, mm-hmm. like I do think that when you're queer, LGBTQ, like anything under that umbrella, um people can see that and they tend to exploit it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you you are definitely open for um people that they know that that's happening for you and it puts you a little bit lower and they know they can sort of twist a little bit. Right. And I think that's what that was. So you feel like he preyed on you a bit. Absolutely. 100%. Because I was, I was very young, you know, mm-hmm. like when you're 15, you don't know what's oh, going on. We were friends. 15. We were friends at 15. It didn't happen at 15. Right. I was 19. But still so that's, that's quite young. Yes, it is. So knowing somebody from 15 to 19 You've known that person when they were 15. Right. And you've had an influence on their life for that long. Um, you know, it's like, it's, yeah, absolutely. It has an effect. It's not, you're dating the 15-year-old. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's what you're dating because you've known them since they were 15. And, and you're not 15. He was seven years older than me. So he was 22 when we met as friends. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty big difference. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> seven years is not big when you're, I don't know, 47 and 54 but when you're 15 and 22 it's, it's very pretty, big, it's a pretty yeah. big leap i feel like it's it's a big leap until you get up until like 40 right. i feel like right 33 and 40 maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe right. that's maybe the beginning of where it might seem might feel appropriate yeah when i was 19 i dated a 27 year old mm-hmm. and sometimes i think about how old he would be now and i'm like mm-hmm. oh that's not a big deal but it felt like a big deal oh back yeah then that's a big deal when you're 19 you're still not really an adult i mean mm-hmm. you're not you're just not you're legally an adult right. but you haven't had those experiences and i feel like i don't know three you, three years max are you angry at him oh absolutely yeah a lot <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> but i'm trying to like talk about it and work it out because um i know other people have probably had that experience mm-hmm. and maybe don't think it's a big deal because i thought for so long like oh well it's my fault you know like i i repressed myself and i went back in the closet it's my fault like my catholic guilt you know i used to like sort of make fun of myself and be self-deprecating and then i realized like oh this is not actually my fault. Like this is something that I got like sort of twisted into. Right. And and it's actually not my fault. So I'm talking about it not because I'm navel gazing, but I'm talking about it because what if somebody's maybe in that same situation mm-hmm. and listening to this podcast? Like I would love for them to realize there's other people that have been through that. Right. So. And it's I think that's really wise and important to recognize the vulnerability. Mm-hmm. of someone in the process of coming out and that they could be targeted in that way oh yeah in the process of it beginning to not doing it but seeing that and i definitely think you know the power dynamic specific to uh an older man and a younger woman and then that younger woman is like becoming herself you know to sort of like insert yourself into that process is like very specific. Did you feel like you owed it to him because he accepted yeah. you, even though ironically, clearly didn't? I don't think it had anything to do with the acceptance of that specific part of my life because it immediately went away. I was not gay anymore. Okay. You know, we, that was not, we didn't talk about that. Right. Um, Did you think you liked him at the time or was it like coercion? When that happened, I wasn't, I was like, I'm ready to go, life. Let's see what's happening. You know, like that uh-huh. in that very moment, there were times 
but I was very young when I was, I had like a crush, but it, it's like an intellectual sort of a cl- crush thing. Where, On him. Yeah. I, but I think I was into what he presented as possibilities for my own life mm-hmm. because I didn't have, um, you know, my, my parents did everything they could and, uh, but they didn't set examples for the things that I necessarily, you know, they wanted me to do better. That's what I'm trying to say. So I didn't have examples of that. And I was constantly seeking them out as right. a kid. And because I was raised by grandparents, I was always comfortable with older people. Like I loved my teachers and I mean like older people, mm-hmm. but talking to them and un- and like hearing what they had to say and stuff like that. So I think all of those things sort of melded together for that to happen. You know, right. I like thought, well, I mean, maybe I'll figure out how to be a graphic designer because that's like what his job was. And he didn't go to, he started college and dropped out, like all this stuff. Like you're impressed by him. Yeah. Yeah. As any like 15 year old kid would Mm -hmm. be by a 22 year old adult who works in skateboarding, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And you, you were a graphic designer for a while, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I still do that. Sometimes. I mean, I just, I didn't ever get to be a creative graphic designer. Mm-hmm. I was really more like a production sort of thing where it's just kind of like other people got to make this stuff and I made sure it was good. I made sure it was like um objectively good. Like mm-hmm. the file will work and the you know all that kind of stuff. Like right. not like, hmm, let's see, does is this the right red for this? Like I didn't get to critique anything. It was always just like these are the rules and I will make the rules apply to this document and then it'll get out of here. All that right. kind of a thing. Which I enjoy as just like a human because that's kind of the way I approach life. But as an only child, I love rules. But um, <laughs> I never got to be creative and it was really just like a job to get me to a, a plateau of financial stability where I was supporting myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't... I've said this before where like... I remember reading a quote by Rosie O'Donnell. I think it was Rosie O'Donnell um, that said, you can't have a safety net. If you want to do big things, you'd have to just go for them, which I totally agree with. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can figure out how the safety net works and that can allow you. Sometimes the safety net is where you have to jump from. (laughs) You know, sometimes you don't get a start that allows you to take that leap, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever it is, whether it's like monetarily or emotionally or anything. Um, So sometimes you do have to do those jobs you don't want to do or jobs that are boring or jobs, you know, all those things. And then you can maybe, you know, move to a bigger city and then you can see if you can work in that city and then you can have an apartment and have your own address, you know, like all, and you, your parents aren't supporting you and no one else is. And you're really just kind of doing it on your own. Um, so that's what I did with the graphic de- design jobs. So at the end of three years with this guy, what happened? Um, well, I was, I, it, I mean, I, I was still gay. <laughs> so I was like finding myself in college. I was getting more, I was, Getting out of skateboarding, um, unfortunately, for many reasons, uh, one of which was, I remember this the other day, I had gotten pretty good and he got mad that I was better than him and I had always been better than him. So it was kind of a funny, weird thing. But um, I also did need to like focus on school and I didn't have insurance because Obamacare did not exist mm-hmm. and my parents uh, couldn't put me on their insurance because you... There wasn't the like 24th. Anyway, I couldn't, I didn't have insurance. So I was like, I have to remove these things that could cause me to miss school. I'm paying for this myself. I can't really like 
break my arm because right. I was going to art school for printmaking. And if I break my arm, how am I going to make prints, which is the thing <laughs> I'm paying, you know, 70 grand to do or whatever. Um, so I was like, and then just by committing to college, because it wasn't a dorm college either. Mm-hmm. It's like a commuter school. Everybody just went to school like you would go to high school. It was the same kind of a thing. But once I got deep into the art program, I started being there all the time. And then I started meeting more people. Um, and I started meeting more women. And I actually uh, made a friend first who... <laughs> kind of like made fun of him a little bit because I think she could tell she was like intuiting what was going on, whether she knew it or not and sort of like helping me split a little mm-hmm. bit. And so that's kind of how it started. And then um, I met some, uh, a couple of women uh, and like was attracted to them and there was like mutual attraction and then dated one of them and that relationship, you know, took off and that was the relationship that I stayed in for a while. And um, yeah. And when did you, because you come, you did improv before yes. stand up. Yes. When did I you did. start doing improv? So I um, moved to Chicago in. I moved to Chicago a couple times because um, after uh, college, I went to a grad school program at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. uh, a master's program for printmaking, um, and that's in Indiana. And I there's a lot of great people there, and I met a lot of great people there. But I did not want to be at a Catholic college at 24 mm-hmm. uh, because I was still essentially coming out and processing all these things. I really wanted to live in a city and just be around more people. Um, so I dropped out and moved to co- moved to Chicago in 2007. And then in two, after a couple other detours, uh, in 2010, I started taking improv classes after I'd sort of gotten on my feet. And somehow in the middle of the economic crisis of 2008, 2009, got a job. I don't know how I did it, but I got a job. And then um, some friends of mine started taking improv classes, and I was like, I'm funnier than them. I should do this. <laughs> was it something you had considered before? Oh, yeah. I mean, I like, I, I watched stand up, like, I used to watch uh, Rosie on stand up spotlight. I like watched it all the time, but I just had no concept for how one would do it. Mm-hmm. It's all, it was almost like being gay. Like, well, okay i don't know there's no i mean there's like comedy in akron and cleveland but like i didn't not like there is now you know it it wasn't i didn't i had no concept for how you did it mm-hmm. i just thought like somebody told ellen like hey do you want to do this now and then she just started doing it like i just didn't know how it worked at all and um i did like odyssey of the mind and stuff when i was a kid and i really 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 loved it um but yeah i lo- i really liked uh second city taking improv classes there i had i was uh blessed with like a really great group of people and we all became friends really quickly and um i actually like in chicago there's a huge division between improv and stand up like mm-hmm. if you do improv and you do stand up like the stand ups do not think you do improv or stand up like they're like they're not real <laughs> like it's, you're not considered to be part of the right, you have to do legit. one or the other mm-hmm. um but i maybe for women specifically uh i would say doing those sort of improv classes like that gets you comfortable like taking risks in front of a group of people mm-hmm. and uh had i not done that i don't know that i would have um I mean, who knows how I would have done the first time I did stand up, but I don't think I would have felt as comfortable as I had. I was definitely nervous, but I think had I not done improv classes, I would have been way more nervous. But I felt pretty good when I did when I did it the first time. 
when I had your wife, Cameron Esposito, on the yes. show, my mind was kind of blown by the way she regards improv versus stand-up, yes. which is like improv is more acting, yes. pretending yes. to be something other than you are versus stand-up is yes. being yourself. Whereas yeah. I had always looked... As someone who's done like a tiny bit of both, mm-hmm. but not either in any true capacity, I had always just looked at it like in a in on a very pragmatic level, it's whether you're more comfortable being on stage and performing with a bunch of people or by <laughs> right. yourself. Because yeah. to me that's the difference. Yeah. You know? I mean, really that that is what it I mean, I'm I'm not disagreeing with Cameron either, but I I think that's also true. Because if you're with a bunch of people, you kind of have to pretend more mm-hmm. than if you're standing by yourself because it's difficult to stand in a group of people and perform with them and just be yourself because right. you have to work with them and all those things. Um, and it's I interesting think because she must have felt like she was held back by yeah. improv versus being able to truly oh, absolutely. express herself. And also she was sort of, if I remember her timeline correctly, <laughs> sort of still coming out ish when mm-hmm. she was doing improv. Um, and I was already out. Now I wasn't like out some super out and proud person because for a very long time of my life, even after coming out and dating women and being out to my friends and family and stuff, I didn't come out to my dad until I was 28 when I started doing stand-up. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Specifically my dad. Like my dad was the last person I came out to. How did it go? Not great. Everyone else. Totally fine. Mm -hmm. I think my grandmother, I'm, I was super, 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 super close with my grandmother. And, uh, I think, I think she had a little bit of a hard time with it, but then was like, great. You know, I think, you know, she was, my grandmother, she was older. <laughs> I think, I think also like generationally, I think some of the, uh, grandparents and older parents that have a hard time with it. I think now I may be taking a big leap here, but I Do think it. some of them might've been gay and they couldn't be. <laughs> yeah. And they repressed it for so, 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 so long that it became this hardened thing inside. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their anger, I think is over not being able to be. It's so sad. There's actually an episode of the L word about it <laughs> that I think is like super true. Um, like Dana comes out to her mom and the cold open is her Dana's mom kissing one of her, like she's an equestrian. So her mm-hmm. like stable oh, I think mate. I remember that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and so I like, I, I think that's totally true. I think in a different life, my grandmother might've been gay anyway. So your dad was not accepting. No, he was like, I'm not happy about it. That was like his response. Oh, but he's never happy about anything, so it's hard to tell. You know? Right? It's hard to tell if that's the thing. And then there was a lot of like, I just want you to have a good life, and I don't want people to be shitty to you. It's, and it's like, well, could you be the first person to not be? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you're actually the first person that has been. So in yeah. this in this scenario of coming out, but um, it's all right now. You know, it's mm-hmm. not. He's he's like uh met girlfriends and he knows my wife and was at my wedding and stuff but um you know it's like a weird anyways the coming out process and improv and stuff i was gay and i i didn't because i wasn't fully out to my dad and stuff i still it was like it was by omission you know right. like kind of cl- cast classic 
Catholic kind of thing of like, well, if we just don't talk about it, everything's fine. You know, like, I don't care that you're gay. Just don't talk about mm-hmm. it. I sort of internalized that and just took that as like, oh, well, I don't have to talk about it. It's just who I am. And these people are around me and they're fine with it. And it's like, well, I don't know if they are because I'm not really talking about <laughs> it. They might just think I have a very short haircut because it's easier to take care of. You know? <laughs> Is it though? Because the, no. Well, yeah, I was going to say when I it's been years since I had short hair. But when I did, I discovered that you, when you wake up, your hair is all over the place. It's all over the yeah. place. And you have to get it. You have to tend to it more often. You have to get it cut and, you know, if you want to keep a very specific haircut. It's a real the cross shorter, to bear. Yeah. I mean, the shorter you get it, the more often you have to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you made the, was it like you made the switch to stand up or you just started? Oh, yeah. and, okay. So you, like you 100%. switched camps. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> I went came to, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I went to a different uh, improv school and I actually met a guy who I'm still friends with and lives out here. Um, we met and we bonded over, um, essentially stand up podcasts, specifically comedy bang bang, which I think <laughs> we might talk about later. Uh-huh. Um, and we kept being in the class together cause this school would mix you up all the time. You didn't get to stay with the same class. And eventually we were both like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Cause second city was like more games, more like whose line is it anyway? Right, like which I love. Form. Cause I'm like, I, I love to just like make jokes really fast and find the thing for the thing. And um, I went to IO and that was more of the actory kind of mm-hmm. UCB thing, which is great, but maybe just not the thing for me. Um, and we, he was like, I know this, uh, we both knew about Cameron's open mic and we decided to go one night together because we'd been going to check it out. And then we started doing stand up on the same night together. And after that, haven't gone back and still today well like if he gets if he gets something if he gets booked on something awesome or what if he has some awesome thing happen i'll text him like why did we ever quit improv and like <laughs> if i get so he sends me the same thing we'll like text it back and forth to each other it's really funny <laughs> what was it about stand-up uh honesty that was the thing that really got me the first the first time i did it which is what helped me do stand-up because i didn't i stopped lying i stopped leaving things out because mm-hmm. you can't be on stage by yourself in the haircut that you have and the clothes <laughs> that you wear and not talk about it. I mean, you can, but I didn't, I couldn't, I like just couldn't do it anymore. And it helped me stop doing that. So from the first time, was like, was your stand up honest at the very beginning? I mean, it didn't get in a deep dive into anything. I don't remember any jokes really from it, but I do remember saying, like, I've always wanted to do stand-up and I've always wanted to dress up like Marty McFly from Back to the Future 2 in (laughs) the alternate 1985. Like, trying to get as specific and being like, hey, clearly I like this stuff and I've always wanted to be a guy, so (laughs) this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's honest, you know? I wasn't like... It took me this, you know, I didn't, I couldn't, it took me a while to get there, but I was talking about myself and what I looked like and what I was into and right away, Mm -hmm. like the first time. So I think we should take some questions from listeners, but first, sorry, Jeff, (laughs) I'm going to cause you to have a stroke one of these days. Um, First, I want to say you guys, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you so much for your Amazon support. Also, um, I am on Patreon. Patreon is like Kickstarter, but you can support artists and podcasts you like, stuff like that, on an ongoing monthly basis. There's different reward levels. You can get extra bonus episodes a month. There's a video stream. Um, There's a fan club level where you get merchandise in the mail. It's super fun. Go to patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And before we start the questions, I have to ask you, Rhea. Yes. 
you mentioned Facts of Life. Oh yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> which is my favorite show. Oh, I've seen every episode. How did I not know that? Um, now you do though. Yeah. But you mentioned Joe. People have said to me in the past that they think that Joe was gay, and I'm like, I don't think she was. What do you feel like she was a gay icon, or was it? Are you? Oh well, she's a gay icon for sure. Okay, but because that is like sort of separate than the world of the show, right? In, in my mind, like, any- well, I mean, I guess she was Butch. Yeah, kind of butch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she is definitely in the show a tomboy or a butch woman, right? That for sure. Um, and but it's ugh, this is it's so everything it's so amalgamous because it's like how do you really because I mean the writers the person that started the show the person that was the character will all say what's that gay, but like what is the point of that? Like if right. if retroactively watching a show and being like you know when I was growing up and trying to figure myself out. I really related to you because I thought you were gay. Um, why don't you just be like, yeah, sure. Why not? Mm-hmm. That's my opinion on the thing. Like, because every uh, the woman that plays Blair, they're all like, no, 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 no. Like, they <laughs> well, clearly she's super religious. were. I know. Yeah. They clearly were like in love with each other. Mm-hmm. And that is a relationship that women have, whether they're in romantic love with each other. Right. Or platonic love with each other. So we're really like, to me, splitting hairs about mm-hmm. like whether she was or wasn't gay. Right. So, like, to me, she was gay. Okay. Because, like, also, you could retroactively look at, like, the time that it was made, be like, of course this person was gay, and they probably came out right after, uh, you know, they left the store or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like, a couple of years later, realized, like, oh, you know what? I was really into Blair. <laughs> yeah. So, maybe she just wasn't out yet. Sorry, Scott, the piano player, who I think was her boyfriend oh, at the right, very, yeah. very end. Now I can't remember if his name was Scott. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, Yeah, I get what you're saying, that, like, just because they wrote boyfriends for her doesn't mean that doesn't that's mean what I had boyfriends. Yeah. So did Ellen on her show. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you're not gay. All right. Let's take <laughs> <laughs> some questions from listeners. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay, Amberlynn says, uh, what's her family's reason for being vegetarian? As a vegetarian, I'm always curious. So as we sort of uh, talked about before, it was just my mom that was a vegetarian. Um, And her reason uh, was that she really liked animals and really didn't see the point. It made her really sad to eat them. I think mm-hmm. like Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney becoming vegetarians, like all of that stuff um, was very influential to her. And she had like a, a friend in high school that was a vegetarian who like sort of gave her the lowdown on, on it. And she just realized like, oh, this is what she almost like came out as a vegetarian because she was like a very sensitive kid, too, and didn't really want to eat meat, you know, had like an aversion to it for that reason. So her reasoning was um, it's like a moral and a kindness issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I so in your stand-up you mention pizzle sticks. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jeff didn't know what those were. Yeah. Bully sticks. Till I told Same him. Same Yeah, these are the uh, dried bull penises that mm-hmm. people give their dogs. Oh yes, but they're a delight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> such a delight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But see, you could make the choice to just not give Murph. Murph, is it Murphy I, it or Murph? Either one. Okay. He accepts either. <laughs> He's you could both. make the choice to just not give them to him. I could. He just, does he just love them too much? But well, it's just that honestly, like he needs a every he needs a thing that's a diversion, and yes. I have not found a replacement for it, yeah. and that's what's difficult. And so many of those chew toys for smaller dogs are really hard on their systems right that i just don't like playing around with it that it's like i found something that works it's a good bit i'll just keep it going <laughs> <laughs> yeah my dog actually does we gave we we were taking on an airplane and we wanted something that was like you know the best thing you can give a dog yeah. to really keep them occupied so we gave her a it was braided, <laughs> like a oh, braided yeah. bully stick. Cause yeah. there's, there's like bully stick flare, Jeff. Yeah. Um, there's like circle one. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's oh, so, oh, oh, so gross. Um, <sighs> thankfully she didn't really like it though. Oh, great. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. Because just the smell, I, the smell is so overwhelming. I, that's what I was going to say is like, they, ugh, this is so gross. They make ones that are low odor. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones I try to buy. Cause if you accidentally get the wrong ones and yeah. you're like, Oh my God, you like have to leave the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> So bad. Ugh. I'm completely grossed out by them, concept and in actuality. But I'm weirdly fascinated at how the product was developed. I know. Like how well, did somebody do you put know, that together? Do you know what it is? It's that um, in other cultures, it's food. People eat the, it as food. It's kind of like organ f- food. You know, like in in. I'm I'm trying to be very delicate, so I'm not being like like it's. It's a weird thing because we're Americans and we live here. And in other places, people eat more parts of the animals. Right. And so it was a part of uh, food for people. And then, you know, it just sort of gets imported. And then you're like, oh, it's a dog treat. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah, I get I get that there are parts of a cow that people in America aren't interested in. But, yeah. but how somebody sat there and... You know, there was a meeting and a whiteboard, and somebody said, <laughs> "You know, you know who would, these would go over big with <laughs> dogs. dogs. Dogs, dogs. Maybe would like they were to dogs lose their meeting. minds for this. Yeah. I mean, what I really think it was is, I think they were used for like soups and stuff because oh. they're like, I, I know, so pungent. What yeah. I think is, you know, someone was using it for cooking. A dog got it. There you go. Because I, I think that makes so sense. many kitchen food things probably invented by women, and we just don't know about it. And also. How many bully sticks come from a bull's penis? Dude, I don't know. You know, like I because can't... they're cut down, and that's right. it. and then you also have you've seen the other ones that are gigantic. Yeah, that I, that I'm like they're I don't know like eight. <laughs> I mean, they they sell them in different sizes, like right. twelve and six inches and stuff. But then they also sell like full size, yeah. which is like well, it's a nightmare. There's an array of pretty horrifying things sold as treats for like I've never given I Wendy the, a pig's ear yeah, or me or a they snout sell hooves and yeah, ugh, they sell they, they practically sell a whole pig's face. Yeah, they really do. Like, hey, maybe just get the pig as a pet. <laughs> God damn it! I know it's like a hipster <laughs> thing, but also they're cute. Yeah, they and are very really loyal cute. animals. I love that Chase commercial. Michael Carlson says, how amazing was it to be on the 2016 Comedy Bang Bang holiday special? There you go. There it is. Um, It was amazing. It was really great. I just came off of my honeymoon, so I feel like I wasn't firing off as many funny jokes. But um, I used to listen to that podcast when I was doing my day job in Chicago while doing like improv and then starting stand-up. And like I said, I uh, became friends with somebody over that podcast. So getting to be on it, and I've gotten to be on it like three times, I think now. I mean, it's crazy. I can't believe I get to do that. It's wild. Sarah Miss Misgen 
or Miskin says, what is gender and why is it so confusing? <laughs> also, how does she manage to have great clothes on all the time? <laughs> I saw this one on Twitter and I was like, ooh, think about this one before <laughs> you get in there. You know what? I don't know what gender is. Somebody made it up a while ago. You know, somebody decided there has to be two. And there's definitely more than two because there's so many schools of thought on so many different things. Gender and biological sex, two separate things. I think there's, you know, many sexes, but there's way more genders, mm-hmm. you know, because the gender is something that is assigned to you culturally, but it's also something you get to figure out, you know. Um, like Cameron describes her gender as fighter pilot. <laughs> and I, I used to think if she's a fighter pilot, then I'm I'm the, the guy with the cones on the ship <laughs> like, telling where to go. Um, but... And also, like, gender is a construct, and I just happen to look like a construction worker when I'm making mine. Um, (laughs) But I've worked on my gender as long as I've worked on my wardrobe. So they've definitely (laughs) been, like, uh, working parallel. Um, And I I actually, like, built the clothing and the outfits that I wear from, like, Instagram. Instagram's, like, a really useful tool, I think, also for queer women. Mm -hmm. Or, I'm a queer woman, so it was useful for me because it's, it's... it was hard to shop. Um, I would want to shop in the men's departments, but I would get a lot of shit from people. Mm-hmm. Like it was not a safe thing to do when I was doing it and where I was doing it. So being able to just like go see guys wearing the clothes I'm, I want to wear on Instagram and then being like, oh, I like that. Then going and finding it online and then being able to ship it multiple sizes to my house, try it on in my house, see how it looks and then send the other ones back. It's life changing. So great. I think I just realized that now talking to you. Like I didn't, because I used to like go into Old Navy and stuff. Even just going into retail stores was difficult, you know, like not just public bathrooms, like just retail places. People Mm -hmm. would be like, give me terrible looks. And it's crazy. Well, it's good that some people speak out in favor of Instagram because lately Instagram has been taking a beating on this podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because it's it's been where I've been realizing that my life that I thought was fine is sorely, sorely lacking yeah. <laughs> by looking at like the amazing things that everyone's oh, doing. Oh, sure. Um, a thing about gender. Mm-hmm. So people will say, do you know the gender of your baby? Which is <laughs> yeah. weird to me because it's I not just say, gender, yeah, it's, it's the sex. sex. Yeah. yeah. It's weird that gender is the word assigned to figure, knowing if you're having a boy or girl. Right. Yeah. We, to me, it, we it use it sex. interchangeably yeah. in right. a way that like, it's crazy to me that we still do. Cause like, if we could just understand that then as a culture, we could understand so many more things, mm-hmm. you know, then that would unlock like understanding transgender people in a way that would probably make more sense to people um that don't understand it right or don't understand them i don't mean to say it as a concept um because it's people not a concept so i just i mean i i took like women's studies classes when i was in college they were still called that they weren't called gender studies then and i like thought about this so much like my whole all the art that i made was all about this of like what does this mean like it's just performance you know like gender is it's like rupaul's talking about like gender is just everybody's in drag you know every day do you feel like your gender when you say it's just performance does that suggest that it somehow changes or dissolves or doesn't exist when you're like at home in your pajamas no i think it can i think it's i think it is a very like 
elastic thing mm-hmm. um, because and I try to look at it that way because so many people don't <laughs> you know like it can be present and it can be gone like you can be agender and not subscribe to any but you know it, we live in a world and a culture where we have to understand things like visually and with words and intellectually right. so it's hard to remove you yourself can have whatever gender you want and it is hard to expect other people to understand it especially in pass in passing with them not in passing in the world but um i think giving yourself the space to find your gender and name it or not name it is like a really fun thing it can be um and i try to spend a lot of time with it and just enjoy it like i like hats a lot like honestly hats could be my gender just like (laughs) hats just the concept of hats on a head is also my gender i have so many hats it's ridiculous i just love hats god (laughs) now i gotta figure out what gender i am yeah what do you think allison rosen what gender I mean, I want to say ducks, but that's just something I'm into. No, I, I like that though. <laughs> that's, that has it's nothing. a cool. It's I like it, but that's just like an animal I enjoy. Yeah, but do you find yourself to feel like a duck? Like a duck sometimes. <laughs> it's weird. It did. It it did just it just popped out. Yeah, you know? I mean, well, there's so maybe I there. do. <laughs> there probably I do actually. I mean, lately I feel like I'm waddling, but <laughs> that's just yeah. being pregnant, You're right? gosh and i think it's so great that you said duck because so many people that make fun of people that are like you know this is my gender whatever say stuff like that Mm -hmm. but it's also like it's like actually it's true like also who gives a shit if duck is your gender like (laughs) we made it all up i've been saying that so often like it's every everything is made up like somebody made up pizzle sticks at some point you know what i mean right we've we've named everything well, so the term woman or queer woman, yeah. what is that to you? I mean, that's also ever-changing because everything's always like sort of changing around you. But is that not in the category of gender? I don't know. Because there's so many schools of thought. For me, for Rhea Butcher specifically, like at at this point in time, I, can, I identify as a woman mm-hmm. because that's what I identify as. Does that, that might, feel confining at all? Um, It can. But I don't know that it's on me. Right. I don't think it's coming from me that it feels confining. It well, feels confining because of misogyny and it feels confining because there's a lot of fluidity around everything, you know, that I that I can't. I felt very solid in my identity for like, I don't know, four years or something. And then like a lot of changes happened. That's all positive. I'm not mm-hmm. saying anything's negative. And it's, you know, it just makes me think about what I am. And, and as a comic, I would say as a comic, it's difficult because I'm not like a typical, I'm not a, I I don't even, I I don't know what modifier to use with it, but like, I'm not, when you hear the words female comic, I don't think you think of me Mm -hmm. necessarily. You wouldn't conjure up this image. So part of me like wants to be a female comic because I want to be like, this is also a female comic, right? You know, (laughs) but also, my my gender is not doesn't match up with that so i'm not sure you mm-hmm. know and i also want to be you know inclusive in my life but it's such a sticky right position to be in to be publicly speaking about these things and want to be inclusive but you're talking about yourself right right what i was going to say is and as someone who is a straight woman i have moments and i i don't mean to compare our experience 
well, I'm comparing our experiences. Do. I don't mean to say that our experiences are at all the same because there's so many different factors go- going on here. Um, but I have moments where I'm like, I'm a woman. That's so weird. Yeah, and you know. am well, I you measuring find up? You forget and, you are. Yeah. I, well, so I have older brothers, but mm-hmm. they were out of the house yeah. when I was growing up. So we, my sister and I were really just raised. It, it it was my mom, my sister, and me and my dad. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like we were raised to identify as women. Not that we were, we were not raised to identify as anything, but it was always like we could do whatever we wanted. So in like a freeing way. Yeah. In a liberating way. But I also, you know, I was, I was overweight growing up and Mm -hmm. I was late to, I was a late bloomer and late to start dating. And I, I really didn't know, like, I felt like I don't know how to date and I don't know how to relate to the opposite sex and also the same like i don't know how to relate right yeah and i just you know flirting for me was never what you see in the movies or on tv of like Mm -hmm. batting my eyelashes and being flirty and wearing sexy clothes it was always a much more cerebral like trying to see we are the same it was never for me either (laughs) right so i don't feel like i have never really identified as the like most strict definition of woman. Right. Um, but I don't feel like a man. Like I'm yes. definitely more woman than man, mm-hmm. but I do f- actually, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, but like I have thought like, what does that mean to be a woman? And am I measuring up as a woman? Yeah. And what am I really, you know? Yeah. But then I think that men feel that too, because yeah. there's this pressure to be like, quote unquote, a man, you know, I think every, m- most people, if, yeah, I mean, if they're aware, are there's feeling. a phrase, be a man. Yeah. Like nobody says be a woman, you know, like that's right. like a, a joke, <laughs> you know, like that's like somebody being rude to anyone, like, oh, be a woman about it. You right. Know? Like it's so, it's hard because there's so many slices of it. There's so many, the kaleidoscope is ever twisting of which part are we actually talking about? Right. What co- our culture has done to us or what we've done to us it's yeah it's so confusing um what okay. are you a woman <laughs> that's greg proops, greg proops. <laughs> uh, uh, I love greg proops let's see james holmes says what is she watching on netflix recently oh shit i was supposed to look that one up too <laughs> um i feel like i just i haven't been watching anything i took i'm sorry that it's not going to be netflix but it is a streaming service and maybe you have it and maybe oh i well i i watched stranger things mm-hmm. um but this was before the election so i was able to do that um but after the election happened i honestly had to like get rid of all st- like i didn't listen to music i didn't watch anything it was difficult <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't do i honestly could not do much and the show the the tv show that got me out of it was insecure Oh, I haven't seen that, but I've heard it's I really love, good. I love it so much. Um, I love it a lot, and it got a bunch of Golden Globes nominations, which it absolutely deserved. And um, I, I just really liked it. It's just, I so many people are saying like, "Oh, there's too much TV. It's peak TV. There's too much TV." But there's, I mean, we just make a lot. Of, if we make so much TV that like people get to see themselves represented on TV, and then, uh. I get to watch a show that like that, like I, I, it can't be bad, you know. It just can't be bad to have too many TV shows. And I'm trying to think of the other of anything else that I've been watching on Netflix, but I don't know. I get something that I consistently watch when I go to Netflix, and I can't 
find anything that's like i will go to 30 for 30s mm. i like those a lot and i recently watched um hawaiian the legend of eddie i think his last name is aquila i i cow thank you i said aquila once and now i can't get it out of there that one is amazing it's really great it's and i was in hawaii when i watched it and oh, wow. it was like i i'm so grateful that i watched it when i was there seeing it and i was there it was the first time i'd ever gone and i was like oh i Yes, thank you. I'm grateful for this 30 for 30 <laughs> at this time. So that's what I like to watch. Also, watch the 9 for 9s. They don't get as much uh, praise, but I'm always pushing those. They are, did a 30 for 30 did a special like anniversary of Title IX and did nine episodes of uh, women-specific Title IX or 30 for 30s. Mm-hmm. They're really great. Genevieve Lovely and a lot of other people would like to know, uh, are they <laughs> making a second season of Take My Wife? Um, we'll find out. <laughs> I I wish I could say more, but okay. When does this podcast come out? This this will. I'm not 100 percent sure. It'll probably come out in early January. Sounds like it's a maybe. The answer is maybe, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> potentially, but I mean, we don't know for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, stay tuned for an yes, announcement. Definitely I stay think. tuned. Yes. You might be laughing at this if it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Ruth says, what's your most helpful self-care, Ben, since the election? Mm. Well, insecure, for sure. Um, I actually, and then since I already covered that, the other, I I try to get back into some reading. Um, and also, it's going to seem counterintuitive, but I tried to like have a lot i try to follow a lot of different people like i don't just follow just comics and stuff and um opening up the people that i follow even more and trying to um sort of just get other people's experiences of it has has really helped and then also reconnecting with just people in my life even if it's through texting or whatever that was very helpful to like reach back out to people that i maybe had connections to that were small and then realizing like oh no the the reason i ha- even have this connection is because we're connected as people mm-hmm. um that was a good method of self-care to like reach out to people that were kind and on the same page and going through the same stuff laura would like to know how do you try and to how do you try to accept and justify close family members who quote unquote support your identity voting for trump should you um i I don't have an answer for it, you know? I think it's on a spectrum, you know, of... It, it all depends, on, I think, on the person, really. Like, what the what you, yourself, as a, as a queer person or an identity that is, uh, you know, targeted by what's going on. Um, I think you really have to... I don't know. It's hard. I have people in my life that uh, voted for him and were going to vote for him for quite some time. And I really tried. Like, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I could have done better. Um, I do think the it's not a lot of people. Like, my family did not vote that way. Um, but I, I don't think I could have convinced that person. Like, in retrospect, I don't know that there is anything I could have done. And that I think is what's hardest for me is that I think, you know, we all have to do better at 
engaging each other and trying to talk to each other. But the thing that I'm struggling with is how do you engage with someone who, when you're simply like smiling, you're smug. You know, if you're like being kind, you're smug or you're talking down to them. (laughs) And if you're angry, well, you're just a dumb, angry limber. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm supposed to tell you. Like, I just, I just want to feel safe walking down the street, you know, like, and, and you accepting me is great, but you have to understand that you, you yourself might not be, consider yourself to be a homophobe, but you have aligned yourself with homophobic behavior Mm -hmm. and lawmakers who like i'm i am unsure if donald trump is a homophobe i don't think he is i don't give a shit at this point right it doesn't matter because he hasn't said anything contradictory to any of the terrible stuff that has gone on or that he's actually said so it's kind of irrelevant um but if they need to hear that from somebody like i don't think he gives a shit about like keeping gay people out of this or out of that, but he also doesn't give a, give a shit about protecting us. And he's his entire cabinet is full of people who are incredibly anti LGBTQ, and they're already starting this stuff. So I think that is the one thing you could hold someone accountable for in the calmest way that you possibly can. Because <laughs> unfortunately, we do have to be calm about it. I don't think we necessarily have to go high and you know like super high. Like I think we have to not go lower, mm-hmm. but I think I think we can figure out a way to just say like look, I get that you accept me and um I'm grateful for that, but you have to accept the fact that you voted for someone who is going to take all of my rights away. It's it's already starting to happen. So I would like to hear from you how you justify that. Like, you tell me how that works for you. Because it kind of diminishes your support of me by voting for someone whose regime does not 100%. So that's something you have to understand. I don't know. I don't know how we do that. Are you worried about your marriage? Um, The legality of? Yeah. I mean, I live in California. So not a ton but um i i mean to me it'll never go away you know and i i was actually given a really great opportunity the day after the election to perform for like a lesbian retreat that's been happening since like the 90s so it's like a for real thing of like protecting lesbians and giving them a place a safe place to vacation which is like a really valuable thing you know um it's expensive but these are women that have like saved up or they've been doing it for a long time and it really gave me a good uh moment to realize like oh yeah we've been at this shit for a long ass time you know like and because people are like oh we've got marriage equality who gives a shit or like you've already done it and it's like this isn't over this was just like it's it's like vestigial you know it's like it's just a yeah. thing and uh if they take it away, we'll all stay. Like, not everybody got married for this exact reason. I mean, I talked to a woman that was like, yeah, we didn't really want to get married because we didn't want to be on some registry somewhere. And I just never thought about it because I got yeah. comfortable. And uh, I I actually had a friend say, like, nobody's going to strip your gay rights away, which is a terrible thing to say to somebody. Doesn't realize that's that he's saying it in a terrible way. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I think a lot of Trump supporters maybe don't understand is that um, 
they're concerned about other people. They are. Like, they voted that way because they're concerned about themselves and other people in their lives. I voted the way that I voted because I am concerned for other people. It's not that I think I'm going to lose everything, mm-hmm. so this is the way I'm voting. It's because I'm worried about right. queers in Indiana and North Carolina and all over the country. That's who I'm worried about. I don't care if somebody strips my rights away. I, do, I mean, I do, but I I care about like the the LGBTQ family and it like I was talking recently about like getting I got to go to the Castro uh, theater for the first time Mm -hmm. this year and I mean it was like there are so few LGBTQ uh, ancestral grounds and I just hadn't realized it was even a thing until I was in there and realized like the molecules of like Harvey Milk are in here and countless people that have worked or not worked for gay rights, you know, who have simply existed as such and then went to a bar called the pines, which is like the first bar in San Francisco gay bar to have its windows open. Cause you know, in San Francisco, the gay, the quote unquote gayest place, <laughs> you know, for up until I, it was like the seventies before they opened the windows because like you would shutter it because it's a gay bar. So we want to protect ourselves, which I right. totally understand. But like people forget that, you know, it was not that long ago. Um, so yeah, I'm, I am worried about it, but that's not my biggest fear. You know, it's like not, it's, it's not the thing that drives me. The thing that drives me is like a fundamental existential crisis that we're going Mm -hmm. through as a country and as a people, because I really thought, and it's me living out here and getting to live in a place that is what I'd always wanted to live in. And I feel like I know what you're going to say. Go ahead not a bubble it's like being living in a place that is moving towards something Mm -hmm. and i just i want that for everybody because it is so it's actually so much easier to just coexist it's actually easier and your life is better you know the more people that you get to live and the more experiences that you get to have and the more experiences you get to see and witness it changes your life you know it really changes you without you even knowing it and it's so much better, you know? Yeah, it was such a... Uh, was that what you thought I was going to say? Actually, no. slightly different? No. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about how you thought that we were just so much further along than it turns yeah. out we are. Because that's where I was. Like, I thought, oh, you know, black president and then the first mm-hmm. woman president and I'm going to have my baby, you know, oh, yeah. in this world. Like, yeah. I was just... it. I was so excited about the idea of, yeah. of Hillary Clinton as president and then and so excited by the idea that according to the polling like every, so many people are it was on board be a with blowout this. And yeah. Stuff like that. yeah. Um and wow, like the country really has moved really far in this progressive direction and it's yeah. just, it's time. Right. And then to find out like no, it, although I think yeah. it will, it, that will happen. It's just where the pendulum's swinging very, very far like the other way. And what the fuck's going on? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think I knew that we hadn't progressed as far as we did. I, I did happen to like go to Ohio in August and I remember being like, shit. Mm-hmm. Like I had the feeling of like, this doesn't feel good. Like yeah. something, this is not what it felt like four years ago. This is different. And, um, I think we all forgot, like, we, a lot of people are blaming it on Hillary, and I'm not going to, and you can be mad at me for that, listeners, I don't care, but (laughs) I, 
I there's so many things to blame, but something we've like <clears throat> forgot about is how angry people were at the mere idea of Obama yes. being president. Because they stopped getting coverage. You know, like, remember Joe the plumber? Mm-hmm. Like, that didn't go away. Right. They just stopped covering it. They stopped covering people who were angry at the mere idea of him. And it's people who don't realize that's what they're mad about. So I don't know how how you have a conversation with somebody that doesn't understand what they're mad about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't... I also... I'm very hamstrung. Is that the right word? Yeah. By the idea of how to have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Now I'm basing a lot of this on Twitter, not on actual human yeah, that, beings. That is the thing that, that will help is to like get out of that. But it's still, I mean, I, I know people, I know people and it's still the conversation. This person does not use Twitter and it's very similar to a Twitter conversation. <laughs> right. And this is someone I've known my entire life, you know, you, so this like, person in I, real life. I, yeah. <laughs> I just like, don't understand. Like, how do you, how do you do it? I don't know. I'm trying yeah. to figure it out. I'm really trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm very angry though. And, yeah. And the stages of anger have gone through different, so many different things. I just keep getting angry at different things. One thing that I'm really trying to like work on internally is um, understanding that criticism of something I might uh, subscribe to, like, let's say feminism. So criticism of white feminism, because I am a white woman, (laughs) is not something, you know, the initial response is maybe like, hey, calm down, you know, whatever. Uh, I think what I'm trying to do is use criticism and critique as a roadmap for fixing it or changing it or making it better, you know, like trying to <laughs> like in what way? Um, like I happened to see a video of a woman doing like a uh, spoken word about white feminism. And, you know, it was like, she was, it's spoken word. So there's like anger and all these things and like saying things I, t- I totally agree with. And I totally understand our problems with it. Um, and just use, instead of bristling and being like, well, at the, you know, but the thing is like, we can't be in opposition <laughs> of each other because, it, cause it's like, well, that's the white feminism. problem. <laughs> so taking <laughs> what you're saying and saying, okay, I see what you're doing now, or I see the issues that you have and they're real. So I will use those and make those adjustments in my life and try to make feminine, mm-hmm. the feminism that I believe in the feminism I, I will try to meet you at your feminism instead of you meeting me at mine. Right. You know, now what if the criticism of feminism is coming from a man who's a dick, then I don't give a shit because <laughs> you don't understand what it is. You know, it's like, yeah. I really don't want to seem like I don't care about men. I do. There's men in my life that I care about, but like even the most feminist man cannot understand it because you haven't walked it. Just like the most, uh, I hate saying woke because it's like, I don't want to, it's so stupid for white people to say woke, but like even the most woke white person. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. That's a good word for it. The most enlightened white person can never understand what it's like because there is at least 30 seconds in your life where you're not thinking about it Mm -hmm. and you're just a white person. Right. And you can walk into a store and you don't have that experience. So like you just, and I think the most enlightened person is the person that understands that 
And un- and like, if you are a man and you claim to be a feminist, then you have to do that. And the most feminist men that I know in my life, because I know a lot of them, do not talk about it. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about how feminist they are. They treat me like a an equal. They talk to me about things. They laugh at my jokes. They don't hear my joke and then repeat it and get all the laughs from my jokes. (laughs) You know, they like hear what I'm saying. They appreciate, appreciate me as a person. They ask me questions. Uh, they listen to me and they don't talk about being feminists every day or constantly or say like, well, you know, I'm a feminist, right? Like they don't, they back it up by their, the way they treat women in Mm -hmm. their lives. And some of them, I don't know that I've ever heard them call themselves feminists. I remember a guy that I had a crush on years ago, (laughs) like saying something like i i love all women i'm just a lover of women and it was so gross sounding <laughs> yeah. and in his effort to sound as if he's not objectifying it was yeah. so, so objectifying, objectifying. <laughs> yeah yeah cuz it's like you're setting us apart right so like but then at the same time, it was different than saying, different- I don't have a type. It was yeah. like, I, <laughs> yeah. I'll put my dick in anything. Well, I just love of it so much. Of course, that's the implication is that like, I love women to have sex with them. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. Good for you. <laughs> and he actually did love having sex with all women, I think. Ugh. So, <laughs> so what he was hero. honest. Yeah. What a hero. <laughs> um, let's do, we don't have a ton of time, but let's mm-hmm. do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, so this is where people write in with things they think or things they do, and they wonder, is it just me? Is it everyone? And then we say whether we also do this. Um, William Levi Walker says, just me or everyone. I get a second opinion on spoiled milk, even if I know it's bad. No, I don't do that, but sometimes I have to do a couple rounds myself, which is disgusting. <laughs> is this specific to spoiled milk? I, th- I think or you, just- you could extrapolate and it could be anything. Okay, yeah. great. I mean, it always depends on the milk. Sometimes I'm like, are you, I, hmm, I don't know about this. But mm-hmm. then most of them I'm like, hmm, I could tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hansi Copperfield says, anyone else shudder or look on with disgust when someone licks their fingers to separate papers? Hashtag mm. dirty spit papers. <laughs> I, I think it depends. If a person mm. in general seems gross. <laughs> yeah, then I'm definitely judging. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the guy saying he likes all women. It's like, right. I don't It depends on the, the liquor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what you don't see a lot anymore? And maybe it's just that I'm not hanging in the right circles are. I think there's like... People oh, have the like sponges. Yeah, the little sponges. Yeah. Or like, isn't there like a rubber thing you put on your finger to yeah, make? There's, there's like the finger cut. And right. then there's also a finger moistener. I yes. used to use this. Yeah. The when sponge. I, when the I did thing. No, no, no. no the like little Vaseline yeah, looking cup and it's blue. Yes. Oh. It's, bankers, right? Yeah, is that ba- at banks? Yeah, that, yeah, bankers yeah, use it. Because they have to count money. But I used to use like that it. when I would do a lot of magazine stuff and sorting okay. and mailing. And it's... it's um Tacky? It's... It's not quite tacky, but it's a little. It's it's like heavier than Vaseline. It's like a silicone mistake or something. You yeah. know, like some off run runoff. <laughs> yeah, like of, this like, didn't come out right. Yeah, we can Hang sell on. it. Yeah. Hey, bring the dog penis guy or the cow penis guy <laughs> right. in here. He'll figure out someone to sell this to. How can exactly. how can something be thicker than Vaseline? It's like like a harder. Yeah, okay. harder. Yeah. It's not that it's like the consistency is. The, it's that it gels together gotcha. more. It's not as oily. 
I guess. Okay. It's not yes. as slippery. Yeah, it's yeah. almost waxy. Yeah, it's waxy like a, is it's like a sticky good. wax. Mm-hmm. It's great. Sounds like something you'd rub on a violin bow. That will yeah, make sense like a too. resin. Kind yes, of a thing. Yeah. exactly. I can like see it. I can see it right here on the table. <laughs> um, Clint Mayo Foundation says, "I hate when someone, including myself, uses the same word twice in a row." Example: I do do that. Mm, yes, I'm okay. You really? I'm okay with it. I it think depends. Speaking works much better than uh, typing yes. or writing because yes. it makes no sense. Like I couldn't even give you an example because I can't think of one off the top of my head. But whenever that that mm-hmm. hits yes. in a row, it's like, why English is terrible <laughs> that this would even ever happen? You know? Yeah. I used to work at various magazines, and one of them, or maybe all of them, actually, um, had a a rule that. They don't, you can't repeat a word. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about music. So <laughs> yeah. I always found, I, whenever I would read articles before I wrote them, I always found it irritating the way it'd be like the first time it's a record, then it's a disc, mm-hmm. and then it's like oh, all God. the different euphemisms for record, album. album blah, blah, yeah. Blah. Or like Hollywood Reporter, it's like this lenser, like the, you know, the lenser is what? The person who sh- shot it, not the director. Ew, the director lenser? helms it. Yeah. Lenser is the DP. DP yeah. yeah. But I think all of that... Lenser. Yeah, but maybe not with Hollywood Reporter, but all of those is just a a way to avoid using the same word over and over again. I feel like you can can go too far with that. I had had that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Bruise by Dawn. Oh, I have to... Bruise like beer or is it bruise like... It's beer. But this has come up on the show... And because you're from the Midwest, I must ask, even though this is not a good use of time right now. Pop. D-O-N, <laughs> D-O-N-D-A-W-N. Do you say them the same or differently? The Dawn. man. Okay. I was just saying both. Say it again. Don. Okay. In your face, everyone who insists they're different. They're not different. People Don. are very. What's the difference? Jeff, do it. Don, Ho, Tony Orlando, and Don. Dude, that's the same. Or wait, I'll, wait, I'll, I hear I'll them reverse them yeah, so yeah, okay. that they're back to back. So Tony Orlando and Don, Don Ho. So it's Don and Don. Mm-hmm. That's okay. and to people Don who are passionate about this, those are very different sounds. Okay, I mean, I guess to me they're very they're so similar. It's they're really almost the same. similar to me because of my accent, which has gone through a couple of wash cycles <laughs> as I've lived in like different places. But like, um, Don Draper, Prairie Dawn. Yeah, but that's a name. So I like, turn the lights on. I hang out on the lawn. I'm under an awning. Ah, ah, cute puppy. But also the sunrise. They're at all dawn. the same. Yeah. Does that sound the same? Did it sound the same when I just said? The sunrise at dawn, Don Draper. They sound the same to me. Sounds the same. The first right? time you did it, they sounded different. Really? <clears throat> the sunrise at dawn, Don Draper. Same. Slightly different? That sounds slightly different. I'm really trying not to think about it when I'm saying it other than what I need to say. But I don't know that that you're doing it wrong. <laughs> now, question. Do you know guys that, say that matters. Do you guys say both or both? <laughs> Because my wife says both, and like, I'm like, there's an not there. an L in both. <laughs> I say both. Yeah. Both. Yeah, there you go. I think it's a regional. Ex- Does she say mouth? Th- no. <laughs> no. 
Your no, eyes just but I, I don't even like it when anyone says that word, no matter how they pronounce how it. How do you feel about pillow? I'm going to rest my head on a pillow. Pillow. <laughs> it's an eye, goddammit. <laughs> okay. And lastly, authentic mm-hmm. and offensive. That's really, that's really packing a lot into your wow. Twitter yeah, handle, it took right? Me a second to really process yeah. that Twitter handle. <laughs> Wait, do we do bruised by Don's question? We didn't. <laughs> no. Oh, what's the, oh. Okay, bruised by Don <laughs> says, I put the dog food pouch in my pocket to warm it up while I have breakfast and wash dishes, then feed the dogs. Probably just me. That's so sweet. It's I don't cute. do anything like that. I don't do that because my dog eats dry food. Yeah, same. I would do that for like butter if I was going <laughs> to have toast or something. Like just be like, have it in my right. little pocket until I'm ready to go. I've definitely done that. I'll slip it in my bra. I would just use the microwave actually. Good. But, but watch out for the foil on the butter though. True. Actually, you really, the microwave is not the best place to soften up butter. Or I guess it just, it just goes from hard to melty. Okay. Um, Authentic and offensive says, shop at the same places frequently, but feel I may be judged if staff sees me twice in the same day. For example, Walmart. Mm. Yes, totally. I don't want to be seen twice in in one day. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to have place. a conflicting message on it's this fine. one. It's good. Like I like to be a regular. It's fun. But like, in one day? Yeah. Okay. I've gone to Albertsons four times in the same day and i've been laughed at by cashiers that like me but laughed at in like a cute way so if you make pals with them then it's never embarrassing because they're like oh did you forget something and then you're like yeah i did oh <laughs> i bet that makes you feel so good too because you're like so i am a part of a community yes <laughs> i Obviously want that you can't do that if you're like traveling or something but you know i highly recommend becoming a regular at the simplest of places okay Maybe I'm just an old lady, but I enjoy it so much. No, I'm I'm with you. I like it. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for doing the show. Thanks for having me. You guys, this was really fun. I processed a lot. Good. I I'm glad. Like it. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A R I Y N B F. Subscribe iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And Rhea, let them know where to find you, plug anything you'd like to plug, etc. Great. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle, at Rhea Butcher, R-H-E-A-B-U-T-C-H-E-R. You can see me every Tuesday night if you're in Los Angeles at the UCB Theater on Franklin every Tuesday at 8 for Put Your Hands Together, which is also a podcast that you can download on Feral Audio and iTunes. Um, and you can watch my show Take my wife on CISO and listen to my album Butcher on Kill Rock Stars. I think that's everything. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, so- I'm also on Adam Ruins Everything, which is oh. a great show that I love so much. Um, on True TV. It's, yeah, on True TV. And it's uh, really great. And they go to Netflix after seasons and stuff. So if you don't have cable and you want to wait, you can find them there. Excellent. Thank you again, listeners. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? 